Welcome to Inside Personal Growth Podcast. Deep dive with us as we unlock the secrets to personal development, empowering you to thrive. Here, growth isn't just a goal, it's a journey. Tune in, transform, and take your life to the next level by listening to just one of our podcasts. Well, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. Another great interview with a lovely man, Alessandro Tronco. We're going to be speaking about the Buddha who drove a Bentley, a life fable. Good day to you, Alessandro. How are you? Good day, Greg. I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. It's a pleasure having a fellow author on and also a fellow financial advisor on because I used to do financial advising and actually still do a bit of it. Um, And it's always interesting to kind of see the life path of people that enter this industry and the directions they take. And you're one of them. And I want to congratulate you for writing your first book. Um, His wife, Gina, also has a book out as well. Um, And they're very philanthropic. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about Alessandro. He's living proof the American dream still exists. He's born in Sicily, immigrated to the United States when he was six years old. Uh, with nothing but his family's hopes and dreams to guide him. After spending nearly a decade here, he returned to Sicily for six months and then returned to America by himself at 15 years old with only $5 in his pocket. Uh, The lack of experience means didn't stop him from chasing his ambitions. He attended attended Siena College when he began working as a financial advisor at Northwestern Mutual. Um, raising quickly through the ranks to become one of the youngest managing partners in the company in the 166-year history of Northwestern Mutual. Believe me, for those of you out there, um, the life insurance business is a tough business filled with rejections. So Alessandro has definitely worked hard to get there. His hard work and determination has gone, he only had from that $5 to the success story. Um, they live in New York. He's got three daughters, beautiful daughters. And if you want to learn more about his wife, Gina, the kids, and his book, go to the Buddha who drove a Bentley.com. The Buddha who drove a Bentley.com. That is where you will learn more about him and, and the book. And I'm going to encourage everybody, we're going to put a link to Amazon as well. So you can pick up a copy of the book. The book's title is real interesting. The Buddha who drove a Bentley. It's intriguing. Um, You give our listeners a little bit of a glimpse, Alejandro, into what the fable is about and what inspired you to write it. And also speak about this main character, Vincent. I think, uh, you know, this is a kind of a life fable. fable. Um, And I think for our listeners, it'd be good for them to get kind of an overview. Yeah, so thank you for that uh, kind introduction. It's been a great, great life. It's been a huge blessing. And it's been a huge blessing to uh, be in America. As a um, immigrant from Sicily, all these countries are really great places to visit, but a lot of them are really hard to live in. And we won't get into that today, but I'm, I'm so blessed that my, my parents had the foresight to move us to America, that, that they knew there was better opportunities here. And so I'm so thankful to be here. Um, you know, the book is probably very typical to most people. The, the reason I, I named it The Buddha Who Drove a Bentley, because there, I think there is a misnomer in the world that you can either be a really good person, be spiritual, believe in God, or 
you can have money and you can have material things, but you can't have both. And so there's so many misquotes on what money is and what money represents. Um, and I truly believe, and I've studied this for a long time, I truly believe that we're men, we can do both. We can, we can have amazing things and we can have a, a beautiful car and a beautiful house and we can be really good and, and, we can, and we can believe in God and we can do a lot of work in the community. And it's not one or the other. And so you'll hear a lot of people that say, well, money's the root of all evil. You shouldn't have money. And it's just not true. Um, and so this book brings you through a story of, of a man in his mid-40s, Vincent. And um, unfortunately for Vincent, um, he only chased money. And he only chased material things. And I think a lot of us do that. And we grow up and we, and we say, we want to be successful. And I want to have money. And along the way, um, a lot of us lose our soul. And a lot of us really lose what's important to us. And so Vincent wakes up one day and realizes, God, I feel empty. And if I buy a new car, that doesn't fulfill me at all. Or if I buy a new watch, that doesn't fulfill me at all. And so he's going on this long drive and he's realizing, what have I done? Like I've chased success my whole life, but I feel pretty empty. And I've let some of the important things in my life go, like family. and like being really kind to others. I've let all that go to chase my dreams of being successful. Well, they can coexist. And I think, uh, you know, look, you deal with people and your agents deal with people. I'll bring this into it. Every day where you're selling a product where it's finitude, it's finality. Um, and in the end, we're all going to meet our maker, no matter what you believe, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in Allah, whether you believe, whether you're a Drew or a Christian, and we have all kinds of listeners to this show. And I think, you know, you of all people and the people that are underneath you that are selling a product that ultimately pays something when somebody passes away has some level of significance. Because you can deal with very wealthy people, right? Um, we're here on October, whatever today is, the 17th, and Suzanne Summers died yesterday. And they mentioned that she created a $300 million uh, exercise company. She was quite a successful entrepreneur as well. What would, advice would you give people on that are leading this fast-paced lifestyle with lots of material things and aren't finding the time that they'd like to find to do the things that could be of more meaning and significance. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, you're going to have massive regrets at some point. And you're going to be laying on your deathbed or you're going to be ill and you're going to say, oh, my God, I missed it. I missed it. I, I missed my family. I missed my friends. Um, and I thought I was doing it for my family. And that was a really good reason for so many years. But I missed it. I missed life. I missed all the little moments. I wasn't there when my daughter was in a dance recital because I was busy working. And I would say that you, if you don't find the balance, if you don't find all the other non-material things, you will regret it. You will lay somewhere on a deathbed somewhere at some point in your life. And you're going to look back and you're going to be sad about all the things that you missed. Mm. And, and that will happen. It'll, it'll happen 100% of the time. And so that time is coming for all of us. Right. And when that comes, you have to ask yourself, like, what 
that I do it for? And if you did it for your family, but you don't have a relationship with your family, then I would say it was all for nothing. And so we have to be really careful about that because society really wants us to spend all our time and energy in distractions. They make a lot of money when we're distracted. And yeah. so we need to take, take time out. One of the chapters in my book is like, where are you going in such a hurry? Mm-hmm. Like, where are you going? You drive fast, you talk fast. Um, you're always planning for the next week or the next month. And where are you going so fast? I have to tell you, when I asked myself that question, Greg, I did not have an answer. Well, I will tell you that, you know, you have chosen an industry which loves people with high ego drives. And, and for that reason, they frequently are driven by many of those things. And they're so blessed to have a general manager like you or a partner uh, to help them see other things. And that's what you weaved into this book with Vincent. He meets these teachers along the way. And can you tell us a few of the guides and then the lessons that you would like people to take from this book? Because one of them is loving yourself. And I think one of the reasons that people drive themselves crazy is because they're looking for something externally to satisfy this insatiable appetite to be happy. Happiness isn't an outside job. It's an inside job. We all know that. But at the same time, having compassions for oneself, which is one of the lessons in business learns, uh, and you have others. So could you talk about just these basic lessons? Because the chapters start off with all with a quote from the Bible, which I found kind of interesting, yet you use the Buddha as, as the name in the title. And I would presume you're either a strong Catholic or Christian, uh, given being born in Italy, that would be that would be it. But, you know, I, I find that all interesting. And I'd love for you to talk about the lessons. Yeah. Um, loving oneself is really difficult. And a lot of that comes from our childhood, that something happened to I'm going to say all of us at a moment in time. And subconsciously, we said, oh, my God. If that person doesn't love me, how can I ever love myself? And so we spend our whole life trying to get validation from external sources, whether it's, uh, you know, I know for me, it was like I wasn't a really good high school student. Um, I struggled a lot in school. Um, people made fun of me. And, and my, my, my main driver was I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them that they were wrong about that I am smart, that I can be successful. And, and we're always, so when we're looking for external um, affirmation that we're good enough, that I can be loved, we're always going to chase that. And I gotta tell you, it's never going to be enough. And so the lesson that Vincent learns is you have to love yourself first and foremost, because if you don't love yourself, it doesn't really matter who else loves you doesn't really matter how successful you're going to become. You're always going to feel empty inside and nothing is going to, nothing is going to heal that hurt that you felt typically as a small child. And so we need to love ourselves first and foremost. And now all these lessons we probably all have heard before. I think what's unique about the book is that you could take a lesson every single month and really work on that lesson. 
you know, how do I love myself? What are some tools that I could use to love myself? And in that same vein of loving yourself is forgiving yourself. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness is such a difficult thing. I know for me, it was so difficult to forgive all the wrongs that I had done, all the things that I had regretted in my life. And for years, I would say, I'm not forgiving myself. I, I don't deserve it. And that's wrong. We all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness for ourselves, which starts there. And then we need to forgive others. And but don't you don't you think that a lot of us, many of us, um, we live in a world of making stuff up and then we believe what we made up. And then we spend our lifetime trying to actually undo what we believed. I, I remember just recently on here at Bruce Lipton, you know, from the ages of zero to seven, there's a program that gets slotted in the subconscious mind. And it's very difficult and challenging for us. And you can't override that program. What you can learn to do is coexist with the program in harmony, right? Um, It'd be like saying, hey, we're going to reboot the computer with a whole new program, right? So, you know, you, you talk about in this book, uh, every one of those chapters begins with a quote from the Bible. That's your spiritual side. And you speak with the connection between, if you could speak to your connection between spirituality and one's personal growth. We have two genres that this show covers very well. And one is spirituality and the other is personal growth. And they're so intertwined. And for Vincent, they're completely intertwined. Um, Speak with that, if you would, about that in general. I will, but you make a very good point. That program that's in us between the age of zero and seven Unfortunately, Greg, most people don't listen to to us. They don't listen to your show. They don't listen to me. And they don't even know that that program exists. Right. They're not reading the books that you and I read. Um, They're they're just not even in tune that that's an issue. And so they're going throughout their whole life thinking that that's reality, that that's who they are, and that's who they're destined to be. And that's really the sadness because this stuff is free. They can go on YouTube. They can go on a podcast and listen to it. So what can we do like to have more people realize what you said? Cause most people, most people have never even heard that before. Um, so that's important. And mo- that most people haven't even been exposed to what you and I are, are talking about it. And maybe we can change that. Um, why do you, as- why do you think Alessandro that when people like that um, get so angry, there's a disconnect in there and there's a gap. Uh, between their spirituality and their knowing, right? In other words, if they were a more spiritual person, you talked about compassion a minute ago for self and others. If we had that, we wouldn't be this angry soul out there seeking what the ego's driving, which is another watch or a car or whatever, the theme of the book, right? Um and that anger leads to disrupted relationships. It leads to people being alcoholic. It leads to uh, us having health problems. It leads to so many things. What would you say about releasing anger? Yeah, so I would ask myself, like, why am I so angry? Like, what happened? What, what, did I, what do I think life did to me? What do I think, maybe the way my parents raised me, I would ask myself, why am I so angry? first thing I would do. By the way, all this comes into, we should spend so much time in solitude. We're afraid to be alone. And some of these questions can only be answered 
just with me in the room with a piece of paper and a pen and just asking myself, why am I angry? How is this anger serving me? Like what's in it for me? Like when I'm angry, what, what do I get out of it? Um, and if I continue to be this angry, what will happen to my, my most cherished relationships? What will happen with my spouse? What will happen with my kids? What will happen with my parents or siblings? And I would just really just sit in quietness and answer those questions. Mm -hmm. I think I that's would... great advice. It's, it's really great. And that leads me also to not to change the subject, but you, you make a point in chapter seven about Vincent's connection to nature and how important it is to take time to be outside, to walk, to contemplate, to take time for yourself. Um, okay, you're giving people advice on this podcast right now to sit and write and contemplate contemplate and take time to answer these questions. Why do you believe it's so important that they live a life of purpose and fulfillment versus their life they're living? No matter who's listening to the show right now, they maybe go, I'm happy just the way I am, even though I'm angry. Um, <laughs> do you get yeah. where I'm going with this? Yeah, I, I sure do. Let's talk about the nature thing for a minute. We live in a beautiful world. We really do. And most people will never see it because they're going to drive from one place to another, go indoors, and, and they'll never see it. And I got to tell you, especially this, I don't know what happened this summer, but the moon, there was some days that the moon just didn't even seem real. It was so spectacularly beautiful. And the stars and the trees and all life is outside. Like that's where the air is. That's where oxygen is. That's where the sun is. And so there's so much life outside, but we, again, we've been programmed to spend a lot of time indoors watching TV, um, binge watching on, you know, a show on Netflix. And so I would encourage everyone, like spend some time outdoors and just look around at the beauty of the world, look around at a bird flying in the sky. And if that's not like magical to you, how that actually happens, um, it's just breathtaking outdoors. And so most of us do not spend any time outside anymore. We're, we're, we become inside creatures and we were never meant to be inside as much as we are today. Um, so you should take that chapter and read it over and over and then don't take my word for it. Spend some time outside and see how you feel. You know, really watch a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset. And you'll understand that there, 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 there has to be a God. Like that's, that, well, that just can't exist. Right? There, is, like, there, there is, there is a higher power for everybody listening. They right. just have to make the connection and then they have to have a belief in it. Not that they don't have a belief, but, you know, um, vulnerability and authenticity are two words which, you know, come up for me. Um, Brene, Brown, Brene Brown speaks uh, very much about being vulnerable. And if you can't be vulnerable, you're going to have a hard time being authentic. So the question I have for you, because much of the concepts in living an authentic life is kind of a, a theme to the book. You share some of the practical steps and insights uh, of what it's like. What does that mean to you, living an authentic life? And how have you personally become more vulnerable so that you could figure out what authenticity was in life? So writing this book is a perfect example. I mean, it, it's a fable about Vincent, but people that know me know that it's really 
my life's journey and story. And, and some of those chapters are difficult to write about. And I have three amazing, beautiful daughters and being vulnerable to them. But hey, dad, your dad was never perfect. Even though maybe at some point you thought I was when you were a little girl, I just, I'm just not, and I'm, and I'm still not perfect. And so being vulnerable with some of the mistakes that I've made and being vulnerable with some of the people that I've hurt. And, and I gotta tell you, when you do that and people really know that you mean it and really know that you're, you're being vulnerable because you want to be so authentic with these people that you love so much, that relationship goes to a new level. Now, here's the hard part, Greg. When you're being vulnerable and when there are things that you're not proud of, in that beginning stages of that, it can be very difficult. Um, some of the things that we do are not pleasant and you disappoint people, but that's temporary. The, the outcome and the result of being vulnerable and being authentic long-term is priceless. And it brings so much peace in your heart because you're, not, you're no longer hiding behind anything. You're no longer pretending. A lot of us go to work every day and then we put on a little mask and it's not really us. It's who people, it's who you think people want you to be. And so right. you're, you're covering up who you are. And when you take that off and you, you are who you are, you'll find, now you will lose some people. You will say to some people like, you know what? I don't, I don't like that, that version because maybe then I have to be more authentic and I don't want to do that. But the people that you care and love the most, that relationships goes to a new level that's really incredible to feel. And so there is no other way. Like people, they may not know that you're not being authentic, but they feel it. There's an energy there that I feel like, hey, I'm talking to Greg, but something's off. I can't pinpoint it, but it's off. When you're fully transparent, when you're fully vulnerable and, and living your authentic self in life, um, you'll notice people will say things like, you're different. Like mm -hmm. I'm feeling you different. I see you different. And it is contagious. The right people want to be more like that. And it's so freeing, like hiding and pretending. It just isn't any fun. And it just well, wears. And that comes down to the vulnerability. I think the more you can to be authentic, uh, it, it happens as a result of being vulnerable and being open uh, and allowing people to see the true Alessandro, to see the true Greg Boyson. And, you know, the book, it maybe suggests that happiness and success are not mutually exclusive. And this story, as you said, is about you. You were striving for lots of things, but those things weren't bringing happiness. Um, and happiness is written about like crazy today. We live in a world where loneliness is the number one challenge mm -hmm. that we're facing across the United States. You look at the people that are living in uh, retirement communities and people that are out here today, they think that connecting over the internet is a way to like literally create happiness. And they found out it's not. How can individuals find balance between pursuing success and maintaining happiness in their lives? And what tips would you give them, Alessandro? Because you were there. Yeah. <laughs> I would say to you that if you're that if you follow the lessons in the book you will be more successful than ever without following the lessons. And so I was never really taught that. I, I thought I didn't have time for, for going in, in nature and being with nature because I had to work. And what I found was 
that you'll be hugely financially successful if you follow these lessons. And that's really, that's really the, the, the lesson there. It's like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. That's why the title is what it is. That if you're more transparent, if you're more vulnerable, well, how do you think that affects your relationships at work? Like people are going to be attracted to you more. Um, you'll get more opportunities because you are. What if you are more generous in life in general? How is that going to affect your work when people really know, wow, every time I turn around, um, you know, Greg is being super generous to another person. Um, so, and every time, how about when you know your authentic self? Can you be better at your, at your career when you know your true authentic self? Of course, sure. It'll be more natural. It won't be as hard as maybe it would be trying to be somebody else. And so I would argue to say, if you follow these lessons, your career and your success will exponentially grow. Um, and so it's not one or the other. And, and they don't teach us that in business school. They don't teach us that um, in high school or, or college. It's all about, you know, how do I have a, a better business plan? How do I grow sales? How do I do that? And, that? and that's all stuff that's needed. But I would say if we do this other stuff, I believe you will be more successful than ever. And, and along the way, you're going to be pretty happy. But let's talk about happiness for a minute. Not how, are you, how are you, Alessandro? Pardon me, but coexisting in this modernity, which is what it's called, this modern world. I mean, if you go back in time and you look at uh, ancient times, we didn't have all this speed. We didn't have these kind of things that were distracting us. Um, we've been moved into an industrial age and now into an information age where people, everything's on demand. It's on the phone. It's on the computer. It's here. It's there. Um, and it is distracting. And to find peace in that, this is where I'm talking about. You know, you have this book that's written about ancient wisdom, personal development, and modern living. How would you bridge this gap that really exists between the realms to provide actionable guidance to the listeners and the readers of your book? Because I feel that many of them feel caught in the middle of a cyclone and everything's whirling around them like crazy, which is the distraction. Yet and we know at the center of that is where the solitude and peace is, right? But they don't feel that. So what would you see? Look, you've been there. All this stuff that's written in this book is about you. Um, so um, how did you get out of that? And how did you move from desire to meaning? Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about a fact for a minute. Um, we know what we're doing today isn't working. If you look at depression rates, you brought up um, being alone. So if we look at being alone, depression rates, suicide rates, anxiety, they're at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. So the facts are whatever we're doing isn't working. That's not rocket science. That's not my opinion. That's not your opinion. That's a fact. So when we realize that, well, this isn't working, what am I going to do? What am I going to change? So we still have control of our lives. As far as I know, um, we still have control of our own lives. So first of all, we have to put down electronics. Um, when I have a meeting with you, face-to-face. -face. So that's, that's the other thing. You don't have to work remote. You can choose if you want to, but you can still meet people face-to-face. -face. You can still, for the most part, go into an office. So, so most of my meetings are still face-to-face. -face. Most of my interactions are still 
like this, person to person. Um, put your cell phone away. Don't just put it here just in case it rings. Put it away, put it on do not disturb and really connect with that individual. Um, instead of going home and turning on the TV or scrolling through social media, um, go for a walk. Go for a 30 minute walk every day at night and in the morning and see how you feel. Well, Alessandro, you know, we're living in this always on world, fast paced world. It's, it's hard for many of us to find the time. There is a lot of loneliness out, loneliness, out, loneliness out there, as you said. There's a lot of pressure on us in modern living, uh, stress, anxiety. Um, if you would, how would you advise readers and listeners to actually close this gap between loneliness, stress, anxiety, what the world is demanding of them and how they can live a much more spiritual and peaceful life. What, what advice would you give them? Yeah, so before I even go there, I mean, the proof is everywhere. If we look at depression rates, suicide rates, anxiety rates, uh, specifically in America, they've never been higher. And so we know that whatever we're doing right now isn't working very well. And so once we know that, it's like, right, what can we do about it? Because we're not, we're not changing technology. It's only going to get faster and faster. Um, but we know that's part of the issue, the social media and always being connected. And part of that is really amazing. But we need to reduce it somehow. So what I would do is you know, watch, figure out how much time are you spending watching TV, social media. And let's pretend it's 10 hours a week. Can you make a goal to say, I'm going to cut that down to seven hours a week. I'm going to reduce that by 30%. And then I'm going to journal, how do I feel by cutting it down by 30%? Um, the other thing I would do is in the morning and at night, can you go for a 30-minute walk without any electronics? Just, just be with yourself or somebody that you love and just go for a walk around the neighborhood, go for a walk around the city and just like really pay attention to all the beautiful things that are out there. It could be a butterfly going across you. It could be a bird flying across you. It could be this amazing tree that you've never seen before. And, and, and spend time with people. Like technology has its uses. Like today, you and I could, it'd be very hard for us to do this. So today's use of technology, what you and I are doing, Greg, is perfect. But most of my meetings are face-to-face. Most of my meetings, I want to sit across from someone so I can feel their body language. I can feel their energy. And we put our cell phones, we take, we, we put them on do not disturb and we put them out of sight. They're not there in case somebody rings and you're like, oh, just wait a minute, Greg, let me look at my phone. Um, I want to be totally connected to you. So if you're not seeing people face to face, I would go back to that. And mm -hmm. if you're seeing one person face to face in a week, Make it three, like make a goal to increase that face-to-face -face connection with people. Break a meal with someone. These are very easy strategies for you to implement. And again, Greg, don't take my word for it. I'd love for, for listeners to do it and then give us feedback like, wow, I did that for a week and here's what I felt. Here's where my energy was. And that is the key. We are meant to be with each other. We are not meant to be virtual every day for the rest of our lives. And so connect with people, put your cell phones away, go break bread with somebody, go for a beautiful walk around your neighborhood or around your city. And then just observe how magical it is. You know, today it's kind of cloudy out here, but the clouds are really beautiful. If you really looked at the clouds, you'd be in amazement. It's like, wow, they're really beautiful. How do they form that way? The different colors. So there's so many like easy things that we can do that don't cost any money. 
easy to implement, and you will be happier if you do some of those things. And then your productivity will skyrocket because you're not feeling drained all the time. If I'm always on my phone, even if I'm scrolling, it's draining my energy. So the phone's not the only thing that loses energy, battery when you're using it. You're, you're losing battery. And mm-hmm. yours, not as easy as plugging it into the wall. Yours is much harder to recharge. And so most of us never recharge. And that's why we need medicine and we need pills. And, and, and there's so many cures that you don't need any of that stuff. Um, nature would be one of them. But those are some simple strategies that you could use. And again, don't take my word for it. Try for a week and see how you feel. Well, I think, you know, look, there are so many things we can do. I did my yoga class last night. I walked the dogs in the morning without a phone. Uh, I live by the beach, so I can go walking down there. I ride my uh, bike Dallas. there. Dallas. So, so when you ride your bike or whatever, uh, any kind of exercise, which is around breathing, that I think really refocuses your whole environment is important. My listeners know this because we do lots of shows about this, but in your book, you touch on this idea of having it all in the book. And so we've just talked about having it all, having this peace and tranquility and having the ability to be more productive at the same time. And they can coexist in harmony. What does it mean to you and how can individuals define and pursue this version of what you would call having it all? Write it down. Like, what is it for you? Like, what do you want out of life? Like most people spend more time planning a vacation than they do planning their life. Like, what do you want? Like if you ask most people that question, they have no idea. So one of the exercises that I do with my daughters is I have them write down, like, what do you want out of life? Do you want a career? Do you want to be a stay-at-home mom? Like, what do you want? And as you get older, that might change and that's okay. But, you know, figure out, and again, this is beautifully done in silence and it's beautifully done. Go find a beautiful park and sit there with a journal and just write, what do I want out of life? Because everybody's different. You don't want the life I want. I might not want the life you want. We're all unique. We're all different. And that's beautiful. It would be a very boring uh, planet if we were all the same. So I love that we're all different. What do you you feel about, you know, knowing the business you're in, which is financial services, life insurance, and so on, family meetings. You know, I think this whole concept, you know, they, they say, well, it's really only for the people that have family offices. They're wealthy. Oh, no, it's not. It's for everybody. And the reality is, is that, you know, you you work in a world where we should have family meetings every quarter. We should sit down together as a family and That's look right. at where our lives are going. Right. And are you a big advocate of this in your practice? Yeah, okay. yeah because it is a family affair. You don't have right. to be a multimillionaire to have a family meeting. That's silly. Like right. families that have a hundred thousand deserve a family meeting too. Right. right? And so, right. yeah, it's so important to get like, people don't want to talk about the finances in front of their kids. And it's like, well, what, what, why, what are we hiding? And like, the more the kids know, the more they embrace this concept, their family meetings are an incredible tool that most people don't utilize. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's so important to get the family together and talk about what do we want? Like, what do we want to accomplish as a family in both personally, financially, um, spiritually, like what relationship wise, relationship, yeah. like what right. do we want out of life? But right. I got to tell you, most people cannot answer that simple question. They will stumble and stumble and they might tell you a couple of things, but they don't really know 
what they want out of life. And I look at life as a blank canvas. And you can fill in that blank canvas with whatever you want. And if you don't like where you're headed, you can get an eraser and you can erase it. Mm-hmm. And you can begin anew. And it's well, never... Speak- Speak to the listeners about the power of intention and manifestation. I mean, I think, you know, individuals can harness this power no matter where, when, anywhere, and it can have such a positive impact on their life. Um, And I, I know some people, I like to set intentions before I come on these podcasts with my, with my guests. I always do it. It's like, it's a default because when you do that, the inner of it you were just talking about energy of it actually moves the conversation in the direction in which you've set the intention uh, toward the manifestation of the outcome which you are attempting to achieve speak with us because you are a master at having done that coming to the united states with no money you know literally going to school going to work for northwestern mutual climbing your way through the ranks becoming the youngest uh, managing partner in the 166-year history of the company. What were you doing every day when you were down there in the trenches to set intentions and manifestations? Yeah, I always had a vision. I always uh, knew where I was shooting for. I always had goals. I always visualized. I always had a vision board. If you don't know what a vision board is, it's just basically putting pictures up of things that you want and vacations you want to take. And I used to drive around the neighborhoods that I that I currently live in. And I'd be like, someday I'm going to live here. And it was always a positive outlook. And it's so important because, again, most of us do the opposite. Most of us say, oh, life is never fair to me. Oh, this always happens to me. Bad things happen to me. And, yeah, the world will get you exactly what you're looking for. Um, you know, in my family, they'll say, oh, man, you're, you're the luckiest person we've ever met. And, and they're right. Um, it could be the busiest holiday season ever. If I'm going to a mall, if I'm going to a store, I always visualize, I want to find a perfect parking spot. And I got to tell you, Greg, I always find a perfect parking spot. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, well, how do you do that? Like my, you know, I got nieces and nephews and they just are like, how do you do that? And so I have, and, I, and again, I don't know how I learned that early on. I just did and I believed it. And that's the key. You have to believe it because if you yes. just do it and believe it, then nothing happens. But yeah, it's like, I've always thought about what do I want? What do I want my future? to be like, where do I want to live? I mean, I live in the same exact neighborhood that 25 years ago as a new advisor, I couldn't afford cutting the grass in that neighborhood. Right. And now I live exactly in that neighborhood. It's like, that's not a coincidence. Right. I made that. Now, you got well, to- Well, just- what happens is the circumstances, events, and people that enter your life based upon the intentions and manifestations that you're putting on that, that board. And we always say, well, that that person come along in my life. And I like what you did in this book because you have a whole section in the back of the book called Going Deeper. Um, Can you talk with us about the overview of why you put this in the book? Because it's almost like, okay, well, here's this whole book. But then when I get to the back of the book, I have the book overview in like, you know, 20 pages. Uh, I really love that, by the way. Thank you. Well, most people get a book and they never finish it. That's the sad right. reality. And so I knew that going in and I said, okay, if they don't want to read the whole book, maybe I can just give them a little tidbit at the back, which 
can help them. And it might be like, you know what? I really like that. Let me go read that chapter. And if you notice, these are not long chapters. These are not like 40, 50 page chapters. They're short. Right, right. Um, because lessons aren't complex. They might be hard to execute, but they're not complex. And so, but for the people that are like, ah, oh, Mike and I read the whole book, go right to the back. You can get a little nip, you can get a little tidbit of what the chapter is about. And then you can might you might say to yourself, huh, maybe I will read that chapter. And mm-hmm. so I want to make it easy for the reader to be able to take some of these lessons and implement and not going through a lot of circles. You know, I, I never liked the book that spent 25 pages telling me what they were going to tell me and then tell me. Right. Just tell me already. Right. And, right. So, right. Right. Um, I wanted to make the book right, get right to it, where they're easy to implement. Uh, and the feedback, Greg, that I've gotten has been pretty incredible. And that's been a real blessing to get some of these people. Some some guy that, that I didn't know said, I, I carry your book with me. And every day I'm reading a chapter because they're not long chapters. He says, I'm making notes on it. And I can see myself doing that for the next year. Uh, because even though I understand what you're saying, they're hard to implement. And I totally relate to that. And so it, it's been it's been amazing. And. You know, if you if you saw me in high school, you'd never guess I'd be a writer someday. Um, but like well, I started, you did it because of your determination, one and two, because of that power of intention and manifestation. And I'll yeah. cite something from chapter three. You know, it says, "Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth." John seventeen seventeen. Mm-hmm. And then you say, mm-hmm. "Living with truth as a core value is an essential ingredient." to leading a fulfilling life. And you say, you go on to say, the goal should not merely be to search for the truth, but to also live by it. And I think that's what you're uh, a shining example of it, is someone who's living by the truth and you put your words in here. Now you and your wife have done something called Spirit Water Inc. And I'm gonna direct my listeners to that as well. Um, tell us a little bit about that. And then in summing this up, what are three pieces of his advice or a mantra that you'd like to give people that are listening to this podcast today so that they have greater happiness and more authenticity in their life and are living a life which is, uh, what I want to say, close the gap between the pursuit of uh, material and the solitude of spirituality? Yeah, so uh, Spirit Water came about. I stopped drinking about a year ago, and I and um, my, me and my daughters were, were talking to my wife, and we said, you know, a lot of people really don't want to drink, but they're, they're kind of forced to drink when they go out, and it seems to be cool. I said, why don't we create a company that's just water, and why don't we make the can like this beautiful-looking can? So it is. It's a mountain. It's very peaceful. It looks like when you look at it, you're, you're almost relaxed looking at it, and we put the water in aluminum because most water is sold in Plastic and plastic is not recycled mm-hmm. for the most part. People think it is, but it's not. So aluminum can, um, it looks beautiful. It's a, it's a twist top. So you can actually, if you have good water source, you can refill it because it's an aluminum. Um, there is a liner inside the aluminum. So the water doesn't touch the aluminum. So it, it doesn't give you any of the bad stuff that aluminum may give you. So it's, mm-hmm. it's totally safe. The water is amazing. So we created this company to say, we want to help the planet. Um, Let's do aluminum, which is more expensive, by the way, but it's worth it. And we said, let's make the whole messaging on the company like a really great message, a really spiritual message, healing message. So, and it's been incredible. It's been about six months. 
Um, we didn't know anything about the water business. We're learning. That's been really fun. We've had some success. So that's been amazing. And I is this a charitable endeavor or is this Spirit Water? Is the money all going to charity that you're raising or what is uh, happening there? 10% of the money is going to, to charities. Um, right now, we're focusing on endangered species. There's a lot of them out in the world that most people don't realize, so that's what we're doing. But we are very charitable inclined. So my wife last year, she's a breast cancer survivor. Um, she raised $917,000 for Leukemia Lymphoma Society in a 10-week period. So every year, LLS does this 10-week kind of competition all around the country. And right. my wife in upstate New York, which is a really small market, raised the most money out of anyone in the, in the country. So yeah, she's a survivor. Um, we had a we had a little uh, cousin that died of leukemia when he was 16, just a beautiful mm-hmm. soul. And so we're really passionate about giving back. You know, one of the chapters in the book is generosity and giving back. You're not well, fully. Gina, Gina had breast cancer herself and is a survivor did. too. Yeah. Did, yeah. So, you know, you guys have been touched with cancer and that's really a, a great thing that not only you're doing, but is you've got this really passion for it you can tell uh and in particular gina's got a book out as too what's the title of her book why is this happening to me okay so for all my listeners we'll put a link to that as well but in kind of wrapping things up alessandro you know everybody likes a takeaway well at the back of your book going deeper they can get the takeaway but they got to get the book uh, without getting the book, what are two or three pieces of advice that you want to give people or leave them with today uh, that could help them live a more fulfilling and meaningful life? Yeah. The first thing is you have to love yourself. Like just, you have to love yourself. You have to find a way to love yourself. Forgive yourself for all the past mistakes. It's really okay. And I think the last thing is like, just be you. Like, I promise you the people that really love you and care for you want you to be you Mm -hmm. and try to peel away all of the things that aren't you and do them one by one if doing it all at once is too scary but greg i promise i promise you if people do that if they love themselves or they forgive themselves and ultimately if you're just you you are good enough and people that love you will love you and you will find this peace knowing that oh my goodness like this is really me Mm-hmm. And the people that accept me for who I am, because we don't need you to be somebody else. It's, 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 it's never good for, for you or anybody else for you to pretend to be something you're not. And I'm telling you, you're good enough in who you are. And the people that love you will love you regardless. And so um, be you. Well, I want to thank you for giving our listeners uh, this book and for you who you never thought you'd write a book, writing a book. I want to acknowledge you for that. Uh, the Buddha who drove a Bentley, a life fable. Uh, actually, as Alessandro said, it's a lot about him. Uh, and that's true. I could see that in there. Uh, but it's really about living your most authentic life. And go to the website. It's the Buddha who drove a Bentley.com. There you can learn more about the book itself. Also, when you get the book, you're going to notice there's places where you can go and actually you could do sign up and do a consult uh, with Alessandro as well. So uh, definitely he's reaching out. He's putting himself out there for you to be available for all of my listeners. Please do take advantage of it. 
It's somebody who lives what he speaks about. And um, that's quite an acknowledgement uh, to you as well. So thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth. Thanks for spending the time with my listeners. Um, Good luck to Gina and raising more money for Leukemia Society. We had a little talk about that or anything having to do with cancer. And blessings to you and your family. And thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Namaste to you. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.